Hey friend, welcome to the Encourage Inspire podcast. My name is Nathan. In this episode, Nina and I will be talking to Dr. Adam Hughes about the importance of God's Word. This is a follow-up episode from episode 23. In that episode, we specifically answered two questions. What is God's Word and why is it important? In this episode, we're going to continue that conversation. We're going to talk about obstacles, challenges, even excuses that we give as to why we're not engaging in God's Word. And we're also going to provide some practical advice. How do we get into God's Word as individuals, as couples, as families? And how do we do that as men and as women? God's Word is so important. It changes us. In this episode, I hope you hear some just practical things that you can do today. Start implementing and activating today that will make a difference in your life. So something that I I think a lot of people think about when they think of God's Word is they think of reading God's Word. My fear is that they think that's the only way to interact with God's Word. I, I hope in the next part of our conversation, we can open people's eyes up to the idea that there's more ways to interact with God's Word than just reading God's Word. I'm not saying reading God's Word is bad. I'm just wanting to make sure that we acknowledge that reading God's Word just to read God's Word is not sufficient in any way, fashion, or form. We're not advocating for check mark box Christianity. We're not advocating for anything workspace, like you need to read two to three chapters a day to be right with God. We've clearly stated salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, but to know him, to know the life he has for us, we need to interact with his word. So I want to advocate for the idea that there's at least five things we need to do when we think of God's word. First typically comes reading of God's word. I also want to think about if we have little children in our life who can't read, uh, reading God's Word to other people might be part of this process. We meditate on God's Word, and let's we'll, we'll dive through each step in a little while, but not the yoga, Eastern religion kind of meditate, but you know, thinking about God's Word, contemplating God's Word, what it means, then memorizing God's Word, obeying God's Word. We're all going to kind of get hit on that one. We're really great at reading, some of us, but we're not always great at following through. And I think the culmination of this is if you're working through the other steps, you know how to communicate and teach God's Word. So let's back up back to the beginning. How do we interact with God's Word specifically through reading God's Word? What are some practical ways for a a new believer or maybe a more mature believer who wants to find a new way to engage in God's Word through reading? It's interesting when you were saying, you know, reading and and what do we mean mean by that? Part of it is, I think it, it does it does get to, and I it's like playing semantics here. But what do we mean when we say read it? You know, I read a lot of things in a lot of ways, and sometimes it's just like information transfer. Sometimes it's like I've got this big email, and let's be honest, I don't think most of it matters. I'm trying to find the one or two sentence in the middle of it just to get the quick information that I need to move on. So is that how we're approaching, you know, God's Word? I'm confessing. Sometimes that's even how I approach God's Word, right? It's just like, I'm just, I'm getting through this quickly. Let me pull out something here and, and move on. So when we talk about reading it, again, it's maybe it doesn't change things practically, but from a from an important perspective, just remembering whose Word is this? Mm. Who gave it to us, and why did he give it to us? And so sometimes it's just the mindset by which we approach reading it. It's not, I need to get through this. 
I need it to get in me. That's that's really what we're what we're trying to say there. Does that make? I hope that makes sense. What I'm saying. I think so, and I think I think maybe what you're even saying is, you need it to transform you in your thoughts in your life. We need it so that we can live the way Christ wants us to live that life that we were talking about earlier, living it abundantly, living it here and now, and then we have it for eternal life. Absolutely. So the genealogies, this is my confession, and other parts of God's Word where I need to approach Almighty God asking for assistance and help as I'm reading to A, keep my mind sharp, to keep my attention focused, to really process it. Because even though I just said, like, we don't, we're not advocating for checks checkbox Christianity, workspace Christianity, that's not part of our faith. Sometimes in our disciplines, we we live it out as if that's what we really believe. Well, if I get done with my two or three chapters, but you just didn't understand any of it, what what's the benefit? So, you know, reading for what purpose? Yeah, and I was even going to say, so to, going back to that, but just some real practical things, especially for somebody that maybe is new to this or maybe a new believer, getting assistance from, you know, somebody that's maybe a little bit more mature than you in the faith of just maybe where to start and where not to start. Like I would not want a new believer that's never read the Bible before. Like, by the way, I think all 60 books are 66 books are equally inspired and authoritative and valuable, but like, I don't want to send you to numbers to start with, you know what I'm saying? Like, or revelation or probably. revelation, you know? And so it's not that those aren't important. It's just that maybe you don't have the context yet to, to ex understand how they are important and how to how to understand them. So I think just from a practical standpoint, it's stuff like, like you said, asking God to help you f- as you begin to read it the right way and for the right purpose, but then also maybe having a good a good plan for where am I going to start, where am I going to go, where am I going to go after that, and having somebody that's more mature in the faith than you help you with that could be your Bible study teacher, it could be the person that led you to faith in Christ. It could be your pastor. It could be your dad or your mom. I, I don't know. But somebody of going, where can I start? How can I do this? There's, I'll let you kind of respond to that. But then there's another thought I have, too, just a way to read it that a lot of people don't think of. Two things came to mind, and I hope I can remember them both now. One is the idea of you need to kind of, like you said, have a plan. Don't, don't do a lot of Bible jumping. I, I think expository reading in the same way that I appreciate expository preaching is is reading through complete text, complete books to have a, a proper understanding of the before, the the middle, and the after. I, I think that's an important part of it. The other thing that I want to caution, and I am very appreciative that in our American life we have a lot of extra resources, but when it comes down to it, I, I would love for a new believer, a brother or sister in Christ, to be able to find the Bible sufficient for their devotion time, for their their worship time of getting to know God better. Not that you can't use the other books as opportunity to understand better, but I'm concerned when when we're regurgitating other people's thoughts exclusively and not having to wrestle with God's Word, reading it, and coming to our own conclusions for that. Yeah, and we also have the Holy Spirit in us to help us understand what we are reading. And, and so we so many times we don't even rely on that. We don't rely on the Holy Spirit to help us through that. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, you guys verbalized exactly what I was going to say. 
you know, first of all, just from the standpoint of an approach to reading scripture, I agree, Bible jumping, it's, I don't think it's good for anybody, but I don't think it certainly is not good for someone that's new to it. It's going to get confusing. Things are going to get out of context. It doesn't mean you have to misunderstand, but it opens up the, I think it, it opens up the danger of more misunderstanding when you do that. Along those lines, let's just think about the New Testament for a moment. You know, most of the New Testament are letters. They're single letters that were kind of written to be, you know, received, if you will, in one setting, if I can say it like that. Now, that's not me saying that you have to read it all in one setting and understand it in one setting. But my point is, it was it was written as one document, so to speak. And so if you're going to have any shot of understanding it, then more than likely kind of kind of reading straight through it, even if it takes you multiple settings to do that, you're going to be better off than if you're reading some from here and some from there and one verse out of there and then two words out of another verse somewhere else. The likelihood to actually understand what God is saying to you. This is kind of the context I put it in. If my wife sends me a text message before I come home and I pick one sentence out of the middle of that text message or a couple words out of the middle of it, What's the likelihood that I should go home with any amount of confidence that I actually know what she wanted me to do before I came home? Probably little to none. But why do we do that with God's Word? I think that's just a strategy. It's just, by the way, most of these things, if we would just pl- place the common practices that we do with reading other things and bring them to the Bible, like 90% of it would be understood. Which goes to the second thing I was going to say the Holy Spirit in us, not going to other sources first, key tenets of theology. Our God has spoken, therefore our God wants to be understood. Mm. He's not trying to confuse you. Mm. So you don't always have to look for some hidden, formulaic, deeper meaning. Now, certainly there are a few places in Scripture, but most people focus on those few places and think that's the majority of it. The majority of Scripture is actually God using common man's common language to talk about spiritual things, but in a common way. And if we'll just approach it that way, most of it can be understood. Pastor Adam, you said if we approach it the way we approach other reading, something that comes to mind is a philosophy in our family is we want to strive towards mastery over checkbox mentality. So it's okay to go back and read the same chapter over and over and over. I would advise that you read the same chapter over and over and over versus moving on to something that you don't have the initial context for. Our Western mindset doesn't lean towards that. And and sometimes our Western educational system is like, you know, you're, you're studying for the test. Well, in, in scripture, you're studying to be made more like Jesus Christ and to know his, his plan and his salvation. And so sometimes we have to change our, our cultural thinking and just slow down and uh, go back over and over and over again. And, and that's totally okay. If you're doing that, that's completely okay. Yeah, you're right. The goal isn't, well, I've got to get through this in a week and a half. Like that, There's no time limit on when you've got to get through whatever. No, you, you, need to, you need to get through it in as long of amount of time as it takes you for God to do in your life what he mm-hmm. wants to do in your yeah. life through it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. If, if there's a new believer that's thinking about where should I start, two thoughts I had. Mark is one of the shorter Gospels. So you can get a, a big, broad picture of what's happening in the life of Jesus. Not as complete as some of the other Gospels, but you still get the overarching idea. I've also heard a lot of people talk about going to First John because it was written for new believers. New believers, yes, right. So are, are there any other suggestions we would have if you're, if you're new to the Bible and where would you start? I mean, I think both of those that you just said are really good ones. You know, um, Mark, just because... 
uh, it is one of the shorter gospels that it is the shortest gospel, but it gives you uh, an overview of of wh- who is Jesus, what did he do, what do we think about him, what he talk, what he teach us, what was he like. First uh, John, I mean, I think of First John five thirteen. These things that I, I've written to you who believe that you would know that you have eternal life. So he's writing to those that believe, so that they would have confidence in their salvation. This, may, you know, I've heard people talk about John's gospel hmm. just because um, got a lot of I am statements in there. Jesus making these claims about himself, and it's a little bit different than the other gospels, but still helps you understand that. You know, I, this is going to seem somewhat bizarre that I would say this for a new believer, but I'm I'm not against Genesis. I would even say yeah. at least the first 11 chapters, but go ahead and go through all 50. I, I mean, I just, it's so foundational. But but, but you're talking about the, the rocks. The, Absolutely. The, the, the foundations know, of the building block of... Well, creation, yep. the fall, the, the nature of humanity, yep. what Rede- God's The Redeemer. About. Yeah, the Redeemer. I mean, the dream- yep. Redeemer's right there in the beginning. Yep. So I think about the questions that mankind typically asks today and that even new believers are still struggling with. How did I get here? Uh, why am I here? What went wrong? And, and, and is there any hope of having it fixed? I mean, a lot of those things are addressed in the book of Genesis. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. Genesis is one of those places that I send a lot of new believers to. Even our kids have talked about, they've, they've been reading through Genesis this year, and just they find it so intriguing and exciting. What's intriguing is we're seeing uh, the second, third, fourth, fifth cycle of going through Genesis. And so how something they didn't understand when they were younger is becoming more alive as they have more context to place God's God's Word in. We're not just talking about reading God's Word, but meditating on God's Word. I, I want to make the distinction of most of the world says meditation is pushing everything out of your mind. I think what we're all going to advocate for is we're actually talking about what we're filling our mind with. So what would Christian meditation look like specifically processing God's word, God's written word as we're living life? Yeah, I, for me, this is actually not, I mean, I, this is sound, may sound arrogant. It's not that complicated. Um, I think you're right. I think what makes it complicated is the common definition or understanding from world or different religions perspective. But for me, the way this typically happens, it's like, I actually want to take a very specific part of God's word. Um, you know, maybe that's maybe that's a verse, maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a narrative of something in the Old Testament. This is one of those things where it's maybe one concept out of one one verse, and I just I want to. For me, it's like I'll, I, maybe it's an hour of sitting there and just and just literally. This is going to scare some people. Thinking hard or intentionally about that. But really what I like to do, I'm a guy that likes to, to do like kind of day-long meditations or week-long meditations. And I know that sounds really strange, but whatever I'm reading, to, to, to spend some time praying and, and, and to pull a part out, out of it that I believe is digestible. Can I say it like that? That's not too much because you're, you know, and then focus that in your mind, keep it on in your mind throughout the day. And just let the Holy Spirit in your mind continue to show you, uh, this is a bad way to say it, uh, but to, but to, it's almost like if you have something, you pick it up and you continue to turn it and look at it from different perspectives and just let the Holy Spirit of God allow you to do that with his word. And so for me, it's, it's really not that complicated. I think there's things you can add to it, 
But for me, that's really what it's about. It's about thinking intentionally and hard about a portion of God's Word. The challenge in our culture is, A, we don't do that about anything anymore because it's so easy to fill the void. You know, part of meditation is is you being with God's Word and both you and God's Word, and that's all being sufficient. But, you know, we've, we've even, in, in the time we've been recording, life has been happening. We've been receiving messages, and we know other things are happening in life, and so easily we're, we're pulled to other parts of life. So I appreciate um, giving an example of, of, I agree, it's so simple. It's simple in thought, but the application, I think, for a lot of us is really challenging these days. And, it's, and, and I don't know that we use this word, but the because of distractions. You know, that's... We kind of live in this age of distraction now, right? And we don't have to, but I'm saying we we do. That's kind of where we live. And almost if you're not being busy or distracted, you're not doing something right. Right. The idea of meditating and waiting and listening and looking over and over and over from a different angle, a lot of people fight against that because it's not busy enough. It's not – doesn't seem like we're working hard enough, earning God's favor enough <laughs> You know, I, I I think that's how a lot of people see it. I also think that we live in a culture just that we consume things rather than wanting to actually think about it. So like we were talking about earlier, just reading it to read it, but we're we're actually talking about reading it to to understand it, to understand what God wants us to see out of it. And so we need to mull over it mm. and th- think upon it rather than just read it to check Mark saying, "Hey, we've, I've done my duty today, but it's just to know who God is more." Another step, a way of interacting. You know, we've talked about reading, meditating. I think of the verse. You know, we hide God's word in our hearts, and and the reason why we hide God's word in that specific case is so we don't sin against God. We we start to consume God's word, we memorize it, and we can bring it back to mind without the written copy. Why does that? make a difference in a believer's life? Why should believers be seeking to memorize portion of, portions of God's Word? How does that change us? We talked about temptation earlier, and I, you know, I think about, you know, God's Word tells us to take every thought captive. You know, we're, we're being bombarded with false teaching from all around us in our world, and we need to know truth in order to rebuke the false teaching. We need to... So, if we can hide that in our hearts and we know what God's word says, then we can rebuke the false teaching and say, no, this is God's word. This is God's truth for me and for my this particular situation. I think that's exactly right, Nina. Sitting there thinking about like knowing God's truth, and it's like, I've had people say, is it really that important anymore? We all have phones. We all have a Bible app. You can access God's word at any point. Well, for me, and it's what you were just saying, there's a difference in it being out here where I can look at it. Mm. You know, and I, I and that's important. Don't misunderstand me. Like I can pull up my right. phone and look at it. There's a difference in that and it being inside of mm. me and um, bearing fruit in my soul, even when I'm not consciously understanding that it's bearing fruit in my soul because it's there. Mm. Does that make sense? What I'm, I hope that makes sense, what I'm saying. That may sound very mystical. I don't mean it that way, but I'm just meaning... It's implanted in me, and it's there because because I've, I've sought it out and I've memorized it. So it's doing this work, and it's it's quite amazing, isn't it? Then when something happens in your life, if you've allowed God to do that work through His Word in you, the Word implanted in you, 
that when something comes up, it's almost like the 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 subconscious thought. You know, God's Holy Spirit works to bring up what you've allowed to put there that then begins to bear this fruit in your life. And you're like, man, you're so glad in that moment that it happened. And you might not even realized it was there until it happens. Does that make sense what I'm trying to describe? It makes sense. And also practically whatever we fill ourselves with, that's exactly right out of us. I mean, how many times when has something negative come out of, well, here's the, here's a great example. We have four kiddos. Only one's a boy. He wants to be so much like dad I have I have learned through my son how sarcastic I am, and it's been con- it's been convicting, like like in a bad way. I'm like, where did he get that from? Well, I know where he got that from. What's going into his ears? What's he seeing Dad do? So it turns around, it comes out of him. Yeah, right. So, but that's true of us as well. Like, what comes out of me? What's being put in me? What I'm putting myself around? What I'm exposing myself to? Yeah, and I think that's true, yeah. positively and negatively. Yeah. So that's the next interaction is if we're filling ourselves with the word through reading, through meditation, through memorizing, what's the fruit of that? When we meet with our core group, we ask six simple questions we've talked about on the podcast before. Question number five is what is God instructing us to obey? If, if we get to this step in the interaction with God's word and we don't obey I think we just need to reset and go back to the reading. Yeah. A fear I have is like what Nina said earlier is we're so consumer minded. We're so focused on our two to three chapters so we can read the Bible in a year. But if we're not actually producing fruit from our interacting with God's word, I think we need to check our hearts because if we're not obeying, then we're not in the right place with God. But there's going to be these excuses we're going to talk about, like why, why don't we want to obey? Uh, we need to hold off on that, but... <laughs> Right. Well, but I can I completely agree with you. There's a sense in which you've got to be careful with this because of the frailty and the sinful nature of mankind. But isn't it true to say, generally speaking, we do, we act on what we actually believe? You know what I mean? Yeah. Generally speaking. And so if I really believe God's Word, I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm not talking about the the, the broken, sinful nature of, of, of my soul. But, but I should be able to see if I'm reading God's Word, if I'm meditating on it, if I'm memorizing it, and I genuinely am believing what I'm reading, mm-hmm. meditating on, and, and memorizing, well, my goodness, it should be bearing out and coming out in some practical ways. And if not, I think I should be asking myself, Adam, do you really believe these things that you're reading and studying and looking at? And I, it's some soul searching for me. So just it should be a natural progression of the things I believe I do, the things I believe inform and lead me to practice, live, bear fruit in a certain way. If we're not looking more like Jesus, are we doing it right? A great example is like what you're saying with your kids. When, when our kids hear our voice and we ask them of something and they do it, that shows that they're really listening and meditating and understanding when they obey. Now, the thing that scares a lot of people is the next part, is teaching. If you've learned something, you need to pass it along. That is a command of Jesus Christ himself in the Great Commission. Second Timothy 2, two, what you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men will teach others also. My challenge to believers is take what you have read, what you've meditated on, memorized and obeyed and pass that along because that's part of this cycle of discipleship and how we truly interact with God's Word. 
again, it's almost like, how do we define reading? How do we define teaching? So they hear that, they go, oh my gosh, I've got to stand up on Sunday morning and give a 30-minute sermon. That's what he's talking about. And, and that's not what we're talking about. I mean, I think about the things that matter to us. Let's set aside spiritual things for a moment. I think about the things that most of the functional things we do in life, we learn by imitation, right? The pedagogy of imitation. We saw, you know, we did, and then we pass on to our kids. Well, it, it's in some way, it seems like I'm reducing everything down to its simplest form, but in some ways I think it is simple. You know, we're not talking about writing a systematic theology, <laughs> and being able to regurgitate it to everybody come in contact with. It's just simply the things that God is teaching you from His Word, even if it's just simple, even if it's just a statement or two, being able to share that with others to the level that God has been implanting it in you and helping you understand it. Genuinely, if God is doing that in our life, we we should and really must be able to do that. And some people go, well, what if they ask me a question about it that I don't understand yet? Well, my goodness. I that's mean, That's a chance to meet the next time. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's an open opportunity, isn't it? And it's an opportunity for you to grow a little bit deeper as well. Oh, wow. That 100%. is a good question. I need to, let me, let me spend some time there. Right. Well, it's okay to say, well, you know, I don't know right now. I, right. I need to learn more about this. Or can we learn it together? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think of a, a business idea that I learned in college uh, just in time. That there's a lot of importance with just-in-time discipleship, like what you said earlier, Pastor Adam. Maybe you don't know everything, but what you do know, you pass along. When do you pass along? Just at the right moment when, when you're doing life together. Not necessarily. Everything doesn't have to be. <laughs> I, I fear that sometimes in our Christian circles, we think that you can only learn God's Word at a Bible study at a specific time at a specific place for a limited amount of time. But something for our families, we believe that that life happens, learning happens as we live out life, and there's opportunities all around us to pass along what we have received and, and, and give that to someone else. And if you were in God's Word, I mean, this is not a guilt thing, but if you're in God's Word like every day, you always have something fresh that God is doing in your life that you can say, man, guess what I was reading this morning, you know, to somebody, anybody in that moment, in that just-in-time moment. I'm not trying to say it's not significant, but what I am trying to say is most of the times it's, 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 much, it's much simpler. It's not as complicated as we make it out to be. I know Nina's been in God's Word when she comes up to me and says, hey, there's something that's really interesting to me, and I know she's going to follow it up with Scripture. Like That's the way we've taught ourselves to interact as a family with God's Word. What's interesting? And if something's interesting and stands out to you, it's something you want to pass along to other people. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a deacon or an elder to teach God's Word. This is something that is for every brother or sister in Christ. If we look at these five things, where do you think most people find it hardest to start, and where do you think most people stop? I think it's the same answer, <laughs> personally. Cause, cause do you all, think it's obeying? Is that what you were going to say? Or I was going to say read. Yeah, I was actually going to say that I too. Gonna I, say. I didn't know if you were going to say obey, but I was going to say read. I think people just never get started. They never really get started with just, I'm going to read it. And we've said don't do checkbox mentality, but there is something to be said about starting a discipline yeah. where you start you to, do, have to do it. Do the right thing before it feels right, right. sometimes. Now, we, we don't want you to stay there and, and live in that area of, oh, I'm just doing it as a discipline. We want it to be life-changing, but there is something to be said about just starting. I do think that there are times, seasons in our life where, I know I do, I, I'm just reading it because I'm doing it out of that discipline. It's 
but there are seasons where I'm just, I'm a sponge and I want to soak it up and I want to know more. And, you know, it, I'm not always on that mountaintop with mm-hmm. it, but, uh, there's times I'm just reading it and it's, it's hard. It's not, it's not what I wanted to do in that moment necessarily, just because I'm human and, Yep. I, I don't necessarily every morning want to get up and just that's the first thing I do. But then there, there are lots of days where it is. Just and I want to. to, to. I right. want it. Yeah. I want it. Two things I would say, just kind of you guys talking brought this to my mind. Number one, I say this a lot and it's kind of a cliche. And again, it's another thing I didn't invent. I heard it from somewhere else. We all kind of with, with everything in our life, but even with spiritual things, we kind of want the we want the microwave. You know, we wish God had a microwave in his kitchen. It seems to me that God does not have a microwave in his kitchen, that he's got a slow cooker. You know, and with everything, you're just in the slow cooker. And I think, how does that apply to what we're talking about here? The only way to to read God's word is to read God's. I mean, there's no other way to do it. Like, how are you going to know God's word? How are you going to begin with God's word? There's no quick fix to that. There's no microwave to that. You just... You have to start it, you know? Even if you don't feel like it or want to do it in that moment, you just have to start somewhere. And to that point, a few years ago, I had one of my students that was just picking my brain. And he said, you know, can you think of like the hardest time you ever had where like your spiritual endeavors weren't going past the ceiling? Hmm. Like they just weren't. And I said, oh yeah, I can think of multiple like specific instances of that. And he's like, well, like what did you do? And what'd you learn from that? And I'm like, I kept doing the spiritual disciplines. I mean, you know, I know that sounds weird, but I just, I just kept doing them. And I actually made a statement. I believe this to be fully true. It's not like the old, uh, you know, footprints in the sand poem where it's like later I could look back and see his footprints. But what I did say is uh, like he was really there the whole time and he was doing Even when I look back, I'm like, no, it kind of stunk. But I'm like, but God actually as a result of it did some things in my life that I didn't realize, hmm. you know, the, 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 the friction, the difficulty, the heart, like, even though I don't look back and go, yeah, in that moment he was there in that moment, he was, there. but I just look back overall and go, even in the middle of the difficulty and the, the challenge and the friction and the, the, the drudgery of it all, like on the other side of it, it's like, wow, God did some work there. God did some work there. I think this is a great segue into the next part of the conversation then is what are some of these excuses I, that's that's the harshest word. You know, I, I wanted to say, what are some challenges and obstacles that prevent us from being in God's word? But I really think it's appropriate to say, what excuses do we give God to say why we can't be in his word? And, and you've both brought up difficult, challenging seasons of life. And, and if you're experiencing God before you reach a difficult, challenging time and have that discipline, it tends to be easier to continue that discipline. Not all the time. In, in, Sometimes God just drops us to the lowest level possible where all we have left is him. And, and I know sometimes that pulls us back to, towards him, but let's kind of talk through some of the ideas. I'm thinking of busyness. I hate that word. That is like, I hate it when I say I'm busy. I, I loathe it. I despise it. Can you guys tell I hate it? <laughs> we, we are so consumed with all the other things that don't add value that we don't put God first seasons of life. I just wrote down sin. When I am in sin and I feel unloved and unworthy, sometimes I don't want to be back in God's word. We've kind of talked about this. I don't know where to start. Um, Another thing is I've never been disciplined or discipled. I'm not smart enough. 
Pastor Adam, uh, put this one in for you. Um, I'm relying on professionals. It's the pastor's job to inform me about God's word. Um, and something else I thought of was, well, if I learn God's word, then I really have to obey God's word. And so I'm going to put the brakes on now because I know if I go to that next step, God's going to want something new from me, expect something bigger from me. So I prefer to be in my comfortable place. Are there any other ideas that you can come up with, excuses, challenges, of why people avoid God's word or try not to be in his word? Yeah, I don't know that I would add any to that. I, I when I look down through there, I um you know, a couple thoughts come to mind about what you, you know, what you said there. It's interesting that the busyness one is one I hate too. I mean, I've probably used the excuse, but I hate it. And the reason why, I kind of talk about time in the same way I talk about finances. And this is not saying that some people are out there that maybe are listening to this are hard off financially, but it's funny, it's like when we say, you know, I don't have any money. Well, you know, discretionary funds or whatever. It's like, you know what? If I go, if I go to a coffee shop, and I'm not advocating against this, if I go to co- if I go to Starbucks and buy me a coffee, I've got some level of discretionary funds. Yeah. You know, five bucks for a cup of coffee, and I'm not dogging people that do that. I'm just saying, if I do that, I've got some level of discretionary funds. I find it to be the same way with our time. Uh, we say I don't have any time. I'm really busy, which is true. But but the truth of the matter is. Um, we, we tend to find time to do the things that we do think are important. Mm. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. Uh, if I sit on the couch for three hours and watch a ball game on Saturday, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but I've just proven that I do have some discretionary time. It's just like, what am I going to do with it? Yeah. You know, how important do I think that reading the Word of God is? So that's one of the things that came to mind. Um, you said sin and and seasons in life, I would add to that there is, and, and maybe even the if I read God's word, I'm going to have to obey it. I always, I keep coming back to this, but on that one, a big one that comes to my mind is, I, I, I look, when I'm reading God's word, uh, the truth of the matter is, I think they're right here. You're going to probably eventually come up to something, I, let's just use the word conviction, that's going to mm-hmm. convict you. Yeah. Uh, and there's two things I would say about that. It's really easy. I love it when I'm reading God's word and it's just affirming you know, what I'm already doing. <laughs> Amen. You know, amen. That's fantastic. But there's always that moment. It's like, man, I'm really convicted. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But the other side of that is this, right? If we go back to what we said are the, is the value of God's word. Yeah. It brings conviction to stop doing some things we are doing and start doing some things we're not. But you know what? It, it, God also uses it in our life to bring about the fruit of us wanting to do those things and Mm -hmm. enabling us to do those things. So it's kind of like that. It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a double benefit. It it does point out the things that need to happen, but it also grows me to the point, and the Spirit uses it to enable me to do those things. I don't know, so I don't think that's anything new that you didn't say, but those are just kind of some responses to maybe some things that we did have down there. Final topic: How then, if we're not in God's Word, or how then, if we're a new believer? single, a couple, a growing family, how are the ways that we should incorporate God's Word into daily life? And I kind of want to clump a few categories together. Think of families, kind of talked about new believers already. Maybe we can bring that back up. But also for um, men and women, what are some of these things we can be doing to incorporate God's Word into our daily life with the idea that some people that are listening right now haven't been doing that. We want to be an encouragement to them. We don't want them to feel like we're just pounding them. Yeah. But just just practical advice on how to start, where to start. We've talked a little bit about it, but let's let's take it another, you know, another level. 
some initial thoughts that come to mind, and I don't know that these are like in chronological order. So, so if y'all need to unjumble the mess, y'all <laughs> unjumble the math on mess on the other side of the desk from me here. There's a sense in which if they've not been doing it, where I've seen a lot of people fail is it's like, okay, my starting place is I'm going to read for two hours mm. tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, you're you're probably not, and if you do, because you've not you've not built up, it's like it's like exercising. It's a discipline. Right. Yeah, you're you're probably not going to start of going from zero to sixty. That's it's not going to happen, and then you're going to feel bad about yourself. And well, I failed at it, so why even try? So I don't know what each individual is, but I would say try to set some some beginning marks that are actually obtainable for for anybody out there. What is that? Why? I don't know what that is. I mean, literally, maybe to start with, I mean, I think people can do more than they think they can, but literally, maybe it's like 10 minutes of Bible reading and 10 minutes of prayer to start. If it's just that to start with, just some obtainable marks. Another one that comes to mind, maybe this doesn't seem doable for people, but I'm relating a lot of this to exercise, but I think the Apostle Paul did to some extent, right? Like bodily exercise is, you know, is some some you know some some value, but spiritual spiritual edification gain is you know is is of greater value. So he kind of equated it to that. When I exercise, if I've got somebody that I'm exercising with, accountability. Yeah, like right now, this is more that you can edit this out if you want to. Like on Saturdays, I'm doing my long run. And when I long run, we're like getting to 10, 11 miles, which is a long run for me. And so, man, I'm, I'm going with somebody and I know they're there waiting on me. You know what I mean? I know it's 7 a.m. where they are waiting on me. And so there's a sense in which I can't just not show, I can't just not show up because I have this accountability to do it. Listen, if that's important for me, with physical exercise, why why would that not be important also for for spiritual disciplines? And then the final thing I would say, how to incorporate in your life, maybe this is more of a family thing. I'll tell you what, what we've done, and this just seems to make it obtainable, to make it more an integrated, real part of our life. Obviously, I believe in things like designating times for scripture reading, meditation, memorization, and prayer, family worship. We can talk about all those things, but something Holly and I actually started doing several years ago was with the kiddos. And it obviously, you're going different directions. Kids get older. It's we, we, I, we don't sit down for dinner together every night, but we do several nights a week. And as a part of that, it's like, you know, no devices, no TV. And what we like to do is like, what's going on in your life? You know, that does a couple things as a parent. It keeps us connected, them talking to us. But they're, they're going to inevitably bring up something that God's Word addresses. And what we like to do is go, hey, what do you think about that? Mm. What do you, anything come to mind that God says about that? You know, what, and, and where is it? What do you, you know, what, what do we need to talk about there? So what I mean by that is like real, sometimes we start with the Word and then do real life application And I'm not suggesting that we force God's Word to fit into real-life application, but sometimes for a family or even an individual, you can start with what's going on in my life and what have I been reading from God's Word that actually does speak to it. You kind of do the reverse order. And I find those things, um, obtainable, accountability, and and connecting it to real-life application, I think think those are ways to integrate it. Confession on my side of things. I have not always been the best when Nina's my accountability partner in some of these things. And I don't know why, because I, I think some of it's comfort level. I think it's so easy. Like if you were talking about running, I remember us times in the past where Nina's more disciplined in the physical exercise. So I'm like, 
I just don't want to do it. it you, you need to find the right person that, that can ask you at the right time that you will actually respond to. And, and 100% saying this out loud, it sounds awful. I should always be responsive to how Nina's pulling me into that. But sometimes you need people outside of your closest circles uh, meaning your family life to keep you accountable. So find the right person that will keep you accountable. It's not just a situation where you know one person is being beaten down or lifted up. You're you're mutually accountable to each other. I really like what you said about just everyday life, bringing God's word and connecting it. Reminds me of the three circles where where we look at brokenness in the world, and it's so easy to find brokenness in our lives and our kids' lives, and pulling it back to how God's good design wants us to address that brokenness. We do a lot of time at the, around the table is where we have a lot of our good conversations. We talked about that in our last episode in episode 22 about reclaiming time back as a family so you can instill values yeah. and letting God's word be the, the foundation of our values. One of the coolest things I've heard, I think this works with, I think it could work with an individual. There's a guy by the name of Ben Phillips who actually used to work for the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, I think in the discipleship area. Now he's a pastor of a church in Texas, but I stole this from him. So I'm trying to, I don't know where he got it from, but I'm trying to give him credit. He looked at Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through nine, and he uses this acronym TEACH, T-E-A-C-H. And he says, if you think about that, like God has built into our schedules natural parts of our day that we don't think about being avenues for his word Mm. to be involved in that, either for us or our kids, but he says it's there. So the T is for travel, when you walk along the way. So when I'm in my car, when I'm in my car with my kids, look, they're not going anywhere. You know, no one's (laughs) jumping out right now. Captured audience. So it's like a captured, even if it's yourself, it's a captured audience. And so, you know, what are you doing with the word in that moment? Um, E is eat. We all eat multiple times a day, right? We're sitting around the table, as we've already said. Are we reclaiming that back for our own life, for, for meditation, for for focusing on God's Word, uh, for teaching and talking to our children, for thinking about what's happening in my day and how how that relates? Um, that's when you sit at the table, Deuteronomy 6-4. Um, a, arise when you wake up, when you mm. start your day. Is that a good time to expose yourself to the Word of God? Uh, C is when you close, so when the day ends. So the day begins as a rise. C is when the day closes, when you lie down. Again, another opportunity just to reflect meditate, spend some time on God's word. And then the H is for holidays. Mm. You know, most of most of the holidays have some connection from a Christian standpoint to, you know, what God teaches us in his word. And so can we even turn those back to a moment of where we're trying to expose ourselves to God's word? So I don't know, that's something that's just stuck with me of how can that be integrated into my life? How can I use it? How can God's word be incorporated in my daily life? So I just think teach. Yeah, appreciate you sharing that. We wrote down some of those ideas, but that just incorporates it all in in an easy-to-understand acronym that could definitely change families' lives. Any final thoughts? I think we've hit what it means for families. We've addressed ways to start for new believers, and and those those ideas and those encouragements can apply to really anybody. Any final thoughts as we think about families? Do we have any encouragements for husbands, men? Do we have any encouragement for women, wives? I think for me, as a man and a dad and a husband to men and dads and husbands, it really goes back to that idea of obeying and modeling, like how important it is to, for someone like me that says, okay, I'm a pastor. I know God's word. I teach God's God's word. I love God's word. Again, I'm not going back to this concept of perfection, but just how important that is 
to actually live under the authority of it. Mm. Like if you're going to talk about it, if you're going to teach it, like my kids and my wife even need to see me regularly submitting myself to it. Another one for me as a as a husband, as a dad, it, when I know that publicly, and by publicly I mean with my family, could be more than that, but my family has seen me falter at a place where God's word is clear. Mm. Husbands and dads, like you, you need to... It's not like it's not like you're you know self punishing yourself, but there's something to be said when you realize that not just going okay I'm going to do better next time, but actually going and acknowledging in front of your family and going okay you saw me do this and God says this and I was wrong yeah and I'm repenting from it and I'm going to ask y'all I, we're going to pray together and I'm going to ask y'all to pray for me because I want to submit myself here mm-hmm. so I, that's something to be said about yes teaching it living it reading it all of those things as a dad husband man. But I would say for me also, submitting myself to it even when it's uncomfortable, meaning when I've not obeyed it, mm. to be willing to, to acknowledge that yeah. and make it right. Something for me as I think about Nina is is how how she encourages me and, and the great example she is. I still need to make sure that I'm stepping up to the roles of leadership because you know you see throughout the Bible that men so easily leave their responsibility of leadership within the family and let someone else, their wives, take over. And I don't want to be a man who goes, well, I'll let my wife exclusively hold this responsibility in our family. So in the same way of what you're saying, that my kids see me living out what it means to be a godly man so that my son can see that as an example, then so my daughters know what to look for as they're looking for a godly man. But making sure that they see me in God's word, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing, obeying, and teaching, it's okay for them to look at us as we look more like Christ and have expectations on their future family members. I, I want what we are doing today, the topics that we're talking about today with you know around this table, to impact families for generations. Right. And as men, we need to step up and be leaders in those situations. So Nina, you get to represent the ladies. <laughs> What encouragement would you give to ladies listening right now that are going, well, we've just never done God's word like you're talking about. How do I start? What what encouragement can you give to them? I think something that Pastor Adam said earlier was you just you just have to start in some place, but start with something reasonable to, to be able to do. So whether that's just getting up and um, just, you know, before you even get out of bed, just thank God for the day and ask Him to to help you to get into His Word for a few minutes. Maybe it's while you're eating breakfast or whatever it is, but just start. Start somewhere in God's Word. And then once you're in God's Word, it's going to be easier for you to teach your kids God's Word as you live out your day with them. You know, you can talk to them about what you've been reading and if they're old enough, you can encourage them to start somewhere. You guys could start together with reading from a um, from some of the things that we've mentioned, maybe in Mark or First John or even the Gospel of John uh, or Genesis. You know, there's a lot of interesting things you could you can bring up around the the dinner table from what you've been reading. And so, I think you just have to start and let it just transform your heart and your mind so that you can learn how to be a a godly wife and a godly mother and teach your kids um, and other people around you just on how to live your life 
for God and how you can trust him. Because I don't, I don't even think we can trust in God. Like it goes back to that obeying, but if I'm not, if I'm not interacting with him or being in his word and hearing him speak, how am I going to trust him with things to come in the, in the future? We trust each other because of the time we've built you know, you and I, Nathan, and the things that we've experienced together, well, that's what we need with God as well. He's reliable. He's faithful. We need to understand who he is and and be with him so that that can happen. It's been good just talking about something that, A, Pastor Adam, you've said seems so simple. It, it really is simple in understanding, but I'm admitting it's sometimes hard in application. So, so brother or sister, if you're listening, if you're thinking about yourself, your marriage, your your family, uh, we want to encourage you just to start finding God in His in His Word. Start knowing Jesus more by by knowing what the Bible says about Him and what God's plan is for for your life. Pastor Adam, we appreciate you being a part of this podcast, giving us your time and and um, sharing about something I think we're all very passionate about. If if there's just one final thing you could tell people, what what would you like to close out with? We want to give you this opportunity today to close us out. Yeah. First of all, I would just say thank you both for first and foremost doing this podcast. Goodness gracious, families are so important. And mom and dad taking the responsibility to to lead in such a way that honors but points towards towards Christ and what you were saying, just building this foundation of trust and obedience, faith in the Lord. So thank you for doing that. Second of all, thanks for having me on. I really do appreciate that because I don't know that you could have found a topic that I'm more passionate about than um, than just, just the word and how important it is. With that being said, and along those lines, if I were to leave with one thought, maybe it would be going back to the tagline that we began with, like, is this a, is this a new problem, like how important the word is, but maybe people not understanding it, not knowing the truth, and 60% of believers. I, I would say the other side of that is not only is it true that maybe more and more believers don't know if there's absolute truth out there and where to find it, but I would say, and I don't, I don't mean this to be us against them, but it's also true that the culture itself seems to be moving further and further away from this fixed, objective place of truth. And so my encouragement would be, it's the words of Jesus at the end of Matthew chapter, chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, this whole concept of what does it mean to build your house on the rock, on a solid foundation? in a culture that continues to shift and struggle and be broken. And my encouragement would be understand not just the responsibility you have as it relates to the Word of God, but understand the tremendous gift Mm. of the Word of God that He's given us so we don't have to guess, but we can know for certain who He is, what's He like, how are we right with Him, and how do we grow up into that life that he's called us to? That's a great way to end. Thank you for listening today. We're just praying that you find God's word and bring it to your family and live it out in real meaningful ways. Have a great day. Yep. Bye.